Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today on the program. My name is Joseph Backholm, and over there is Caleb Backholm. And this is another edition of Smart and Stupid, where we discuss the discussions of today and figure out whether we think they are smart and stupid, all through the framework of a biblical worldview. And we do, despite our our snarkiness occasionally, uh, desire to figure out what is true for all of us. And today, one of the conversa- the conversation that we're going to have and and I know I know already Caleb we're going to um we're going to ruffle some feathers in this. Well, I hope not. I I don't like feather no. ruffling. But we are. I'm I'm very sure of that because well, great. we are going to discuss immigration today. And you know, we are conservatives we are kind of right of center politically, and there is not a uniform perspective on the subject of immigration. And in fact, um, there has been heated disagreements about this. But I want to talk about Dreamers, DACA, immigration, and basically, does God care? And I think this is an interesting conversation. Yeah, and even in the Christian community, there's not there's there's a lot of unanimity with a lot of subjects in the Christian community, but immigration there's there's a bit of disagreement and and i think this is like what would jesus do immigration edition is kind of how i'm picturing this conversation i i think that i think that's fair and i think that's kind of how we how we need to think about this but the the reality is we're not making these decisions necessarily in a we are not a family deciding because we are a nation and on one side the argument Let's kind of set the table here is on one side of this we have we are a nation of laws and you and I would agree with that and it is important that we be a nation of laws not of people and that laws need to be enforced equitably and predictably and that's what it means to be a nation of laws and we don't look at a situation and say oh well I really like you therefore the law does not apply to you correct and speaking of that I want to tease something in in a minute doing some broadcasting stuff here we're putting throwing out a quick tease i've looked through some you're bible verses yes what's that you're the teaser because you're yes. the professional in this i'm, exactly. I'm growing in my ability to tease things but yes continue so donald trump's favorite bible verse about immigration only i'm convinced that he has no idea this verse exists was that two corinthians no it's not two corinthians oh, it was not okay Keep and going. he was asked what his favorite bible verse was and he said uh, an eye for an eye on the campaign trial, which was really, I thought he said all of them. No, no. He said an eye for an eye was his favorite Bible verse. And I was like, Oh my word out of all the Bible verses anyway, <laughs> but there is, I mean, that's fine. Justice is good and stuff. So that, that's a, it's a good Bible verse, but favorite anyway, favorite. his actual favorite, no. I will bring up in a few minutes, Okay, but he doesn't know it exists yet. You are going to tell us Donald Trump's favorite Bible verse regarding immigration. Okay. Awesome. Well, I and do look forward to that. Period. I do look forward to that. So on one side of this, we are a nation of, of laws, and the reality is in this whole conversation about DACA and Dreamers, and maybe we should set a little background for people who might not be that familiar with the debate, is in America there are, what's it, is it 12 million? How many Dreamers do we think we have? Yeah, I've heard that number, and, over and, 10 anyway. And 
dreamers is this this term that has been given to children who were brought into the United States illegally by their parents. And um, so they, they have come here. They lived most of their life here. Of course, if they were born here, that would make them citizens, so they would not fall into that category. But, but people who were brought here at a young age may possibly have no memories of ever living in another country, have graduated from high school here, many have graduated from college, are engaged in you know various professions, are contributing members of society, but their origins in the country were not legal. So the question is, how do we deal with them? Now, this was something that the Obama administration took action on and just kind of set the table for kind of the, the legal maneuverings that are taking place. Um, President Obama, because Congress would not act on this and, and create a way for dreamers to stay in the country uh, permanently, President Obama passed executive action called DACA. It was deferred action. Do you remember the rest of DACA, D-A-C-A? No, I was just thinking about that I the other day. I suppose we should have researched that. Nobody seems to remember it. DACA is the acronym, which means for Deferred Action Something Something, which is basically the way that Dreamers were able to stay here. And we have computers in front of us, so we should be able to Google this. Yeah, quickly. I'm looking it up now. So as you Google that, but DACA childhood was— Childhood Arrivals. Okay, Deferred Action Childhood Arrivals is the for, program. For Childhood Arrivals. And so— President Obama passed a firm, some executive orders in lieu of Congress acting, basically creating a way for for dreamers to stay here through DACA. President Obama, when he, or President Trump, when he was elected, through other executive action, repealed Obama's executive action and said, the president does not have the authority to do this on his own. Congress needs to act. And he basically set a timeline into the future and said, Congress, you have six months to figure this out because I'm repealing the executive order from the Obama administration. In March. What's interesting about that is now there have been two lawsuits, two judges. Now, breaking news as of yesterday. And in our own, the illustrious Bob Ferguson, who makes all of his money suing the the Trump administration, They have found two judges in the country that have said it is unconstitutional for this president through executive action to undo the executive action of the last president. And so I have a question on that. You obviously you went to law school. I didn't. But doesn't this whole thing is a crazy precedent to me where the uh, executive order comes out from the president and then a judge just some random judge somewhere in the country says, no, you can't do that. And if this were to continue, then a, a president could never do anything. I mean, any Correct. Republican president, you're going to find some liberal justice judge somewhere in the country that says, I don't like that. And any Democrat president, you, you're going to find some conservative judge somewhere that says, I don't like that. Correct. What kind of precedent? How is now, something like this supposed to last? Now, there is in, – in, and this is a deep conversation that we're not going to get we're not going to get go very far into but yes when a in in theory presidents and certainly congress can do things that are unconstitutional right if they tried to you know stop the right of women to vote you know through of executive action women are no longer eligible to vote a judge would step in and and issue an injunction against enforcement of that executive action stating that this violates a constitutional principle and therefore 
and until we have a further hearing and we can decide this case, ultimately, I am going to stop this law from going into effect. Now, so I don't object in principle to the idea that judges can stop the federal government or the executive from doing things that are unconstitutional. What we're running into is judges basically making a living doing things that are kind that, that judges used to understand restraint and there were three set, the, the the balance of power was congress made law the executive enforced law and then the judicial branch um made sure that everything was in compliance with the constitution those were that was the balance uh, they in the judicial branch interprets what the law is supposed to mean so you got to wonder if eventually i mean the ju- judicial Clearly, this is within the realm of the presidential authority uh, very, to make yeah, an executive and, order. And that's what's really unique about this is it, only in very modern times would, has have judges been willing to say, hey, well, this executive action undoing a previous executive action is unconstitutional basically because I don't like it. And that's kind of where you run into the bigger problems with the left is that they don't really believe in the rule of law anymore. They believe that anything that they disagree with should be against the law. And we so talked like about, you said, that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. It's interesting to see how that will eventually resolve itself, where the judges finally either stop doing this or we continue down this path or And or this what. is exactly what happened with the travel ban initially. That, right. That same, same thing. I don't judge like it, that, so it's off. But of course, I mean, mo- there's not nearly as much news about the fact that the travel ban is in effect because ultimately it worked its way through the courts and the higher courts told the lower court judges that had, you know, stopped this. He said, you can't do that. You as the judge cannot tell the president what he can do with his executive power when it comes to who comes in and out of the country. That is a clearly delegated executive branch authority. And they don't like what he did, but that's different than saying it's unconstitutional. So yes, over time, these things will work themselves out. But to the larger question, we now have Trump, who has undone the executive action of the Obama administration, and now leaving this open question. We have millions of people here who did not come here legally, were brought here by their parents. What do we do? And the, and the, I think the two options are, you know, do we create a path to citizenship because they're here, or do we round them up on trains and send them back wherever their parents brought them for? And the thing is, pretty much everybody agrees on this, that with either no exceptions or very few exceptions, they should stay here. They've lived here their whole lives. They, English is their native tongue, even though they may have learned another language with their parents. They, there's just no reason to send them out of the country at this point. Well, and I'm I think not, I've heard people say that, you know, we should round them up and get them out of here because they're not here legally. I've heard that argument made. You have? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't you don't hear that with anybody in Congress. So the idea that that would happen is no, but but what's happened. I agree that that's not possible. But what you do hear in Congress is people unwilling to support some path to citizenship because they're afraid of their constituents who they think would would um, see interpret that as basically um, giving a pass to people who have broken the law. So I guess we could transition here to what what does the Bible say about the idea of, of immigration, how to treat people, and and things of that nature. 
That and is the question. How, how should we be thinking of this? Because I do think there is a tension. I think that we should care about the rule of law, but most of us on a human level are bothered by the idea that you know ICE is going to go around the country identifying these you know 10 million plus people, most of whom are contributing members of the country who are married, they have kids here, and we're going to pack you up and we're going to haul you out of the country. On a human level, I think that bothers most of us. Right. And there's no there's no particular reason for it when it was the really was the parents that caused the problem in the first place by coming here illegally. They shouldn't have done that. They should have waited in line. Um, but whatever, that's that's what happened. And so now you have to deal with what do you do now? And the idea of of physically trying to get them out of the country seems not practical. They're going to go back, but it's not really back for them because they're, they never, they don't even know where it is. Yeah. Never even been there. Right. Some of them don't even speak the language of the country that their parents came from. Um, some of them do, but, but some of them don't. So it doesn't seem to me, I don't, I don't land on that side. So what do you think? So I think either they can stay permanently, but not ever become citizens. And I actually might favor that more for the parents who came here. Um, if they are law-abiding citizens beyond the fact that they, they broke a law to come across the border, if they are contributing members of society, then I might I would favor a permanent legal status but probably never citizen unless they leave the country altogether. That's the price they pay for breaking the laws. They can never become an actual citizen, but they can stay here legally without being in fear of being deported. Uh, assuming they've been here for you know at least fifteen or certain number of years, I don't know exactly, but that's that's kind of how I lean. What are you, what is your thought on that? Do you do you favor? I mean, because some of this is uh, has been proposed a fine for you have to make some kind of restitution. I suppose mm-hmm. is the concept you after, and I think the number that uh, President Trump has proposed is is it twelve years, fifteen years? Yeah, I think it was twelve. I think. That but maybe even after become a citizen, a significant period of time, you could eventually become a citizen. Of course, yeah, and his proposal is that they would become citizens. Yes, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. Although, why? Might... Why do you draw that line? Why would you say no citizenship? Well, probably just the issue of voting. That that you don't have because you came here illegally. So you don't I... want immigrants voting. <laughs> no, I don't because want you're racist, right? Voting. Immigrants that come here and become citizens should vote. If they want, if they want the right to vote, then they would need to get to the back of the line and apply like everyone who came here legally. Okay. And then it could be granted. I would, I would favor that. But if you came illegally, there has to be some sort of a penalty for that. And even your kids could eventually have the right to vote if they came well, here as well, young children. Kid, I would, well, if your kids are born here. I mean, yeah, if no, you I'm come here and you have the, kids, the your, your kids, kids are kids citizens. Brought here as young kids. If they were brought here before the age of ten or twelve or whatever, then I would even favor them becoming permanent citizens with the right to vote and everything. And this, see, on this issue, I am, I'm a little bit flexible. I'm not. I know a lot on, on the right. This is a really huge issue uh, for a lot of my fellow conservatives. For me, it's yeah. less so. My main passion, I'll get to in just a second on this issue. But this stuff is ancillary, and I think there's a lot of agreement, frankly, um, on the right, on the left, on specifically how to proceed on these couple of topics. What is your main passion on this? What, what, what do you care most about? Who comes in? What kind of people going forward do we allow into the country? 
And a lot of that has to do with building a wall. I want people in this country who want to be Americans, who value America and love America more than the country they're leaving, in fact. And if they don't, then why are they leaving and coming here if they don't love this country more? If they're coming as a tourist, then that, that's fine. I can understand that. Cash money. Yeah, and that's the problem. Are they coming here just to get money or because they love the American ideal? Benefits. We, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's what being an American is. And that's why people came here is because they had a chance to apply themselves, to work hard, to re- reap the rewards of their labor and that they would love their neighbor and let their neighbor do what their neighbor wanted and the government doesn't tell everybody how to do everything. That's that's how America was different than everywhere else was the freedom that was available here. Are they coming here because of the freedom or are they coming here just to get money? And if they're just coming here to get money, which is – I mean getting money is good. But the reason you can get money is because we have so much dang freedom. And the freedom is the root. The, the unless, money is the fruit. Unless you go into the wedding industry and want to make cakes. <laughs> well, that's all. How many, uh, how many of these immigrants are baking cakes and not well, baking – do we know that? Have we investigated that? Well, that's a good question. Because actually if you want to get the left to be anti-immigration, you go find out that a bunch of them are unwilling to bake cakes – for same sex weddings and they are coming in and 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 they will be so deportation boom how quickly will they turn it will change how quickly will they turn Uh, okay so what does the bible say about immigration i found a few verses yesterday uh to try to help us what would jesus do in this situation if he were here is is a question that every christian needs to ask all the time and and a lot of people who are non-Christians still look up, look highly upon what Jesus did and look to him as a role model. So the Bible actually doesn't talk about immigration policy really at all. But it does talk a lot, relatively a lot, about foreigners. The word alien, foreigner, uh, sojourner, depends on the version of the Bible you read. The, I, I prefer New King James, but and not use the word aliens, but whatever version you use. It mentions numerous times foreigners in interaction with them. The best verse I could find was Deuteronomy 24, 14 that said, You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in the land within your gates. So it didn't distinguish here. This is in Deuteronomy. Moses is talking to the new nation of Israel relatively new as it's moving out of of Egypt, starting to establish itself. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether it's that servant's a citizen or whether that that servant is a foreigner, is an immigrant. So just treat treat them the same. It didn't really talk about how many foreigners to allow in, and that's part of the question of immigration is, is how much immigration. Just to treat them well, and that's not surprising. Everybody who understands Christianity knows we're we favor the idea of treating people well. So not a whole lot to glean but, there unless you're in but, favor of treating foreigners poorly. Well, that but that does not necessarily – I mean the idea of treating foreigners well is not necessarily in conflict with the idea that we still enforce our laws. No, it's not. It just says when you come across one, you treat them well. Yes. Just like you would a citizen. And so what about the idea of the wall? And – a lot of people, of course, are making this big deal out of 
the wall because Trump made a big deal out of the wall. That was his thing. Build the wall, make Mexico pay for it. So I find it really ironic that some on the left really hate this wall idea. In fact, I was talking to my kids about this and we were watching something on TV and they saw this, the big, the wall on the border. And they're like, oh, did Trump build the wall? Is it all done? And I'm like, no, that wall's been there a long time. I said, well, I thought he just was building the wall. And I, I came to realize that somehow they never realized there was a wall on the border already. And I'm wondering if that's the case for a lot of other younger people that they don't know. They've never been to the that the border They think it's just a big park. A Most of the border, <laughs> southern border in the, in the populated areas. Well, in the populated areas, yes. Has a giant wall there. If you go, if so, you go to San Diego and you try to go to Mexico, you're going to discover a big, big obstruction. As far as you can see to the left and the right. Yes. A huge wall. You can see it and go so, into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. They built it into so, the ocean in San Diego. Yes. So the question is, do the people who oppose Trump's wall just want to tear the current wall down? Or do they think we just happen to have the perfect amount of wall now? Or what? I've never heard them address that issue, and I'd be curious to hear. Or do they just not like Trump? Because you know, I, I heard a celebrity, I wish I could remember who it was. It doesn't really matter who it was. Railing against the wall, how bad the wall was. And then went home behind their giant wall and closed the gate to their property and yes. and went inside. And it's like, you live behind a giant wall. How You're not really opposed to walls because you built a huge wall around your house. And you live in so it. It's extremely hypocritical to say, we need. I need a wall to protect me, but we don't need a wall to protect our nation. I think we're... we're I think where the hysteria comes from on the left on this whole immigration issue is they automatically assume motives about people who would like to have regulation of who comes in and out of the country because their their assumption about everything is that oh you're a racist you know if you're a white person and you cook tacos you're you know appropriating their culture you're racist if you want to regulate you know immigration from the, you're a racist I think the real outrage over this idea of the wall is that they see this as like some you know, Aryan effort to purify the race of the country by keeping out all of the Mexican people. And if that's the case, you need to find evidence to support that. No, they don't. Is no, they, they feel it, and so they know it's true. Trump did make that comment about the judge being Mexican. He didn't think he was going to get a fair shake um, a year ago. And yes. I it was a lawsuit against him or something. I don't remember what it was. It was one of his business dealings, if I remember right. Yes. And so he said, well, I think this Mexican judge isn't going to give me a fair shake. And I, I thought that was a dumb comment to make. And we could put that one down under the stupid category. And maybe he had some good reason for it, but I remember thinking he had no good reason to think that. Well, it wouldn't be the first questionable thing the president <laughs> has said. Right? No. So he made that comment, but as far as the policy is concerned, I don't see any evidence so, and maybe maybe somebody listening can send in an email or something and say, here's, here's some evidence to consider. But I haven't seen it. And does the Bible oppose walls? The answer to that is obviously no. No. I found several verses that talk about walls. Second Chronicles 14.7, let us build these cities and make walls around them. Well, we have entire books of the Bible dedicated to people building walls. Like Nehemiah? Like Nehemiah. Yeah. Yes. Nehemiah 2.17, come let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. So the idea of building a wall in itself, obviously, 
you can't disagree with. It serves a practical purpose. It, it 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 allows us to distinguish things. You know, what's yours? What is mine? It allows us to protect ourselves from invaders. Walls are not inherently evil. Walls are a tool. They can be. But so when th- Jesus built a wall, in certain circumstances, he definitely would build a wall. And in, in some cases, he would not. But my can't say for he opposed my thing with the wall is I'm not sure how useful it would be. I think it was an interesting talking point that that the president in his campaign could continually it allowed him to highlight a, an issue that he cared about. But there are some places in you know Southwest Texas where they're just you know there's just not a lot going on out there. And is it really worth our money to go build? A giant structure out there, yeah. Because they're... you're hundreds of miles from any other people, and anybody who wanted to go out there and try to cross there, just because you put a wall up, they can build a tunnel or put a ladder up. I'm just, I just question how. I don't question the utility of the wall in, you know, in um, between Tijuana and San Diego, but. I do question the utility of the wall way out on the Rio Grande in southern Texas where there's right. no people. And that will lead to the last part is the best way to uh, proceed as far as immigration in, in general. Uh, but before we get that, this is the perfect spot to throw yes, in Trump's please. favorite Bible verse. I have been waiting. Yes, this is because it's about predictably about walls. Okay. And I've probably read this before, but I never I came across this yesterday and I'm sure Trump has never read it because if if he had, he would be proclaiming the word of the Lord constantly from this verse. Isaiah 60 verse 10 is the verse that Trump will find to be his favorite. Once he starts listening to the the, uh, smart and stupid podcast, he will hear this verse and he will proclaim this because it says the sons of foreigners shall build up your walls. And their kings shall minister to you. So it is. It's it, the Mexicans building the wall. The foreigners shall build up your walls. That's literally what the verse says. And if you go back into the original Greek, or this is Isaiah, so it's probably in Hebrew. The original Hebrew translates as Mexicans will pay for it. it that's that is what it says. <laughs> foreigners shall build up your walls. You tell me that Trump wouldn't love that verse that if it, he ever found out about it. That is a really, really good point. Yeah, and so I think it's it's prophecy that uh, <laughs> Mexico. Tweet that to him people. and see what and see if he responds. We should get that to his people. And we he should, will, and, and he will tweet that. That just just that that nugget of Bible knowledge will certainly get him some equity. I think he'll put it on eye black Tim Tebow style Isaiah sixty ten right under his eyes for one of his press conferences. <laughs> so everybody will go the next time he goes to meet with uh, the president of Mexico. Yeah. He just put that on his eye black. One other, yeah. one other point I'd like to make in, in all of this for those of us who are rule of law people and are concerned that you know by allowing a pathway to citizenship or just a way to a permanent resident status is undermining uh, what we have in the law. There's, a, there's a, another legal principle in the property law context that I think is, is useful in, in this conversation. There's a concept called adverse possession. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but if you go to law school, you will study adverse possession. This is, this is the idea that if you and I are neighbors and we have a boundary line, according to the, the documents at the county, there's a boundary line between our property. But let's say, you know, there's no, there's no line, there's no fence on our property. But 
somewhere along the line, I build a fence. But it just so happens that I built my fence 10 feet onto your property. But because there was no fence there, we may not have known exactly where it was. And so I build this fence there and I begin to mow it. I plant a little, you know, garden maybe along the fence in the area that I now consider to be my yard, even though the county records would say this is your yard. If I am allowed to, if I do that for seven years, you know, so let's say 12 years later, you come back, you're going to sell your house and you go down to the county records and do some investigation and you realize, hey, your fence is on my property. You need to move that. The doctrine of adverse possession states that after seven years of my use of your property being open and obvious, and I have been allowed to exclude you if I want to, I've been treating it as my own, and you had, and you were fully aware of the fact that, that piece of property I was treating as my own, I've been mowing it, maintaining it that whole time. After seven years, it's my property. Now, why does this matter is because there's this concept of reliance in the law is that when we allow people to act in reliance on something after some period of time, they have a reasonable expectation to be able to rely on that, that, you know, when I built my fence, what you should have done is at some point within the first seven years discovered, hey, this is not the boundary line. We need to move this fence because it's on my property. But after a certain period of time, you lose the right to come back and complain. So you're saying the DACA people have been here for a certain number of time acting entirely as Americans. Why I I, I think that there is a principle there, not that we totally ignore the law and not that we don't create a path for there's something to do, but balancing with our, with our interest in enforcing the rule of law and being a nation of laws. There's also justice and equity principles at place. And the reason we we recognize those is because there are people involved and there's their dignity interests. And if the United States neglected to enforce our immigration laws for 20, 25, 30 years for some of these people, yeah, it is, that makes- it, it then becomes an injustice to then go back and say, yeah, we like, we let you stay here for this long. You're married, your kids, your whole life is here. But now because of something that happened 20 years ago, we're going to like, Move your fence, so to speak. Yeah. And, and there are other examples of, of how we don't do that in the law. So have you heard this argued at all in the congressional debates going on? The adverse possession? Yeah, argument? that. No. Yeah, I haven't either. It's a, I, I it's haven't. A interesting idea. But there are all sorts of, of equitable justice principles in the law where we don't just um you know kind of obtusely enforce the law because that's what it says where we where we do take into consideration other What's factors and reliance upon things and expectations reasonable expectations are one of those things that you can you can rely on and so um it's a warning in all of your boundary disputes. Go home, check your property boundaries. If your neighbor's built a fence, <laughs> make sure it's actually on the actual property line. And if not, say something because otherwise you might lose your property. Post a sign, get off my lawn. So that is your uh, free neighborly property law advice today. So to wrap it up with going forward, um, what should our immigration policy be going forward? I, and I, I already alluded to that where yes. – I think we need the main reason that I would favor a wall. And like you, I really don't care if it's a wall. The the idea is we need to know who's coming and going, particularly who's coming into this country so that we can determine the kind of people that fit in 
in the American society. And some people will hear that phrase and think he's a racist, but that's just an assumption. Everyone actually that, on the left will hear that phrase and think you're a racist. That that somebody who says we need to determine who fits in an American society is trying to fit into some using it as a racial category. It is not. American society is specific, but it's an idea. Not it has nothing to do with the country you were born in, even the religion that you follow. We have great religious liberty in this country, and it should continue that way. The idea, but the idea of being an American, of loving freedom, is critical to somebody coming here, not somebody who wants to control their neighbor through the use of government, which is what most countries do, or control it through some other means of of power over over others. That's what's unique about America is that it was it was set up as a small government, strong individual country. And it needs to remain that way, in my view. And I think maybe the reason we get so much pushback from some on the left is that they don't want it to be that way. They want America to be more like the other countries where the government is much stronger and controls what's going on better than having just a bunch of people making up their own minds about so many things and leading to chaos as they see it in America. Well, Caleb, you do realize that if people have the freedom to make up their minds and say what they think and do what they want to do, they have the freedom to offend you. <laughs> do things that you don't like. And that is the, the, the real problem that we are trying to solve. They can the hold rallies. They can say no. They can say yes to things that you would say yes and no to, and they say no right. and yes to it. They can disagree and, but with that. You. Is that is what make makes America great? I'm convinced of it. Is our freedom, and so we need to make sure the people coming in one aren't violent or psychos. We've got enough homegrown psychos that we don't need to import more, and we are doing that. Some of the people coming here are no good at all. And we don't want them to come here. We want to make sure we can keep them out. And yes. the ones that come in, we want working hard, contributing, treating us well, and we treat them well. This this idea of mutual respect. So that we need to be able to know who's coming in, whether that's a wall or some other means. That that for me is the the big issue with immigration going forward. I don't know. I'd be interested to see how quickly they are able to resolve this or not, because everything is always colored by elections. And you have the Republicans controlling Congress in 2018, uh, the or 2018. Yeah, that's the year we're in, right? Um, Right. Republicans are battening down the hatches, so to speak, because, you know, there's this really aggressive leftist energy in response to, you know, to Trump that, um, I think appropriately has the Republicans concerned. And I think that there is the sense that if they vote for some kind of um, DACA legislation, that it would upset some in their base. I'm not sure that I think that that's true, but I think that sentiment is out there. And so who knows how long this is allowed to linger or are we going to get to March and suddenly have a problem? And the current consensus though, I mean, Interestingly, the first two pillars of this um, of Trump's plan for immigration are building a wall and allowing the dreamers to stay. And honestly, even though the Democrats say how opposed they are to the wall, they're not because there's already a wall. I've never heard a Democrat speak out against the current wall that we need to get rid of it. Trump is adding a little bit more to the wall. That's not a big give for them because they really don't oppose walls inherently. No, they oppose Trump inherently. They say they do. And then on the other side. There really aren't very many Republicans. There probably are some in Congress, but very few that oppose the idea of letting the Dreamers, the DACA uh, kids or young adults now, 
stay. There's there's a lot of consensus on both of those points, the wall and Dreamers staying. So I, even though they are jockeying for position, they, there's very little disagreement on those two issues. The, the larger issue is who gets to come going forward. And I'm really not sure what the Democrats' position is on that at all. I do know what Trump's position is, and I know what my position is, but I don't know what the other side, if they would disagree with this exactly, or I haven't heard anything brought forward. This is how we want immigration to happen going forward. I would really like to hear that from the from the Democrat side. Right. And, and just kind of on the polling of this, I saw uh, a Rasmussen poll from, from this week. 52% of voters favor a proposal that would create a pathway to citizenship. 52%. Okay. Which actually That's not seems, shocking. That seems kind of low to me. 32% oppose a plan with those key um, I'll, I'll read the whole thing here. Voters favor a proposal that would create a pathway to citizenship for those brought to this country illegally when they were children, build a wall on the Mexican border, and change legal immigration to a more merit-based system. 32% oppose that. I wonder which part they oppose. Yeah. But it's still a 20-point spread, so that's a pretty big... Uh, that's real support yeah on one side yeah it's real support but my guess is that all the opposition i mean i guess the wall part is is thrown in there so if we have this okay um you know you can stay but we're also going to build a wall i guess there's something there to to upset everybody potentially i'm saying they really don't oppose the wall they're but in the poll, they do. There are there are plenty of people on the left. If you poll them and say, you know, do you support Trump's wall? Uh, they will just instinctively say, no, I don't. And even so I, they I know the current wall in almost course. all cases. They haven't even thought about the current wall. That's not. This is just an emotional <laughs> reaction to the fact that Trump proposed it. Therefore, I'm against it. I'm just saying that this poll is going to pick up some of those folks for sure that say, no, I oppose that plan because it says build a wall. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I heard there. Even today or this this week, they're filibustering the plan coming forward for a vote, even though that's what they've been demanding and, and filibustering to bring it. And now they're doing the opposite to not bring it. So I well, I and, and here's the politics of that. I think the Democrats really can't have any. They cannot give Trump a win on immigration. If Donald Trump becomes the guy who solves the problem for the Dreamers, that's a huge problem for them. So they're going to have to make up whatever argument they can to oppose Donald Trump being the guy who gets the credit for solving this decades-long immigration. Yeah, discussion. and I, I guess I get that, but that's beyond petty because you can say— It's Washington, D.C. I, I brought this forward. It was my idea. Donald Trump went along with it. He signed it. But this is a great idea that I've been championing for years, and yeah. I was able to talk President Trump into signing it. But, but I'm the one who made this happen. But they can you, say that just But as you easily. know and I know that Donald Trump will run around being, hey, look what I did. I solved it. All the immigrants can stay. Yay for me. And they just – they can't stomach the idea that he would get to take any credit for solving this problem. So but I they do, could do the same thing. Yeah, but he's got the bigger pulpit. Yeah, maybe. And and they're trying to be and and they don't want to give a constituency that they really want to hate Donald Trump reason to think, oh, maybe he's not that bad. Look at 94 and 95 when the Republican Congress balanced the budget and President Clinton signed off on it. So he got to say the budget was balanced under my administration, which was true. And the Republican Congress got to say we're the ones who who put out the bill yeah. in the first place. We're the ones who made it happen. So they both got to to crow on that. I don't know if crow is the right word, but to talk about it. And so 
I could see this happening the same way. Will it? Uh, I guess I don't know. I think a lot has changed since the early '90s in Washington D.C. And uh, you know, Twitter didn't exist then. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I, I don't see the D's ever going along with something that would allow him to do that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think that's some of the politics of that. I so. can see his tweet. Who? Who just solved? Who has two thumbs and just solved and the immigration this problem? This guy. Yeah. You put out a big tweet like could, that, and Nancy Pelosi would have a heart attack. She would, and she's not <laughs> the only one. She's not the only one. So I think we've wrapped up our conversation about uh, immigration for today. Uh, we will be happy to continue this and, and others in the future. I should say, uh, this is a production of the Family Policy Institute of Washington, but we don't actually have a position on immigration as an organization. This is not an issue we work on, but we do aspire to help everybody think clearly and biblically about the world around them. So we are happy to have conversations about all sorts of things, and we do hope that this has been useful to you. Look forward to talking to you next time. Adios, amigos. The Smart and Stupid Podcast is a production of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. Follow us on Twitter at FPIW, online at Facebook.com backslash Family Policy, and at FPIW.org.